politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for life, liberty, property. That fight is always won or lost by being ahead of the curve, nipping the shoots of arbitrary power, of tyranny in the bud. That's what we are about here. Daniel Horowitz, your host of CR Podcast, back in the house today. And that's really what it is. Those of you who are with us from day one on every issue and with regard to COVID fascism, biomedical tyranny, we were the first ones in in March 2020. But here we are 23 months later, and finally, finally, Republicans are finally like, yeah, you know, it wasn't nice to mask kids. Let's let's get rid of the mask mandates. Let's we really shouldn't have vaccine mandates when meanwhile, the issue, I would say now, but not just now, but the past year has become about not just the mandating the vaccine, but the danger of it and that it needs to be banned rather than marketed. We have so much still going on and Republicans refuse to deal with it. They only deal with the issue that no longer matters in the way it doesn't matter. And at the time, it doesn't matter. In other words, when Democrats are finally done with something and they're going for a strategic retreat, they're not really retreating. They're reloading. So, you know, it's not tenable politically. The election's coming up. They're pulling in the toilet. They need to let a little of that air out of that balloon. Republicans are like, yeah, it's time to do that. Really? Where were these phony voices on conservative radio, the phony conservative movement, when we needed them at each juncture of this journey? I'll tell you where they were. They were on the other side. And if they really meant... What they mean, what they say, look, I'm all for converts to the cause. We need as many as we can get. But they would zealously join with us to push the impactful policies that make sure this can never happen again and then actually deal with what's on the table. There are things, believe it or not, that are still going to be here long term that there's no effort to deal with. And we're going to talk about some of that today. Kind of a full array of issues today. We're going to get as much information as we can. Our first sponsor, one of the ways to self-separate, one of the ways that we're going to get back at the communists is by boycotting the boycotters. Stop giving your money to those who hate you. One of, one of the vital services is broadband coverage and um, not broadband coverage. What am I saying here? Um Wireless coverage for your mobile service. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile carrier. Okay, rather than donating to those who hate you, they donate to pro-family, pro-American causes. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team, highest rated among wireless carriers. I've spoken to them myself. Um, They share your values They have the same towers as all the major carriers. They utilize the same coverage. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR. Switch today or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code CR to get free activation. They have special discounts for veterans and first responders. That's patriotmobile.com slash CR. patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Well, folks, Pfizer forecasts $54 billion in coronavirus-related sales in 2022 between the shot and the stupid viral pill, Paxlovid, $54 billion. But that's not enough. It's still not enough. HHS announced today that they're distributing another $66.5 million to boost vaccine confidence to eight organizations operating in 38 states and D.C., bringing the total vaccine outreach funding to $390 million. You tell me this is not fascism. You tell me this is the free market. Oh, a private business can can uh, mandate whatever they want. It's all coming from the government. And here's the way I see it. If I had to get, guess what Democrats are going to do is do a cost-benefit analysis on all their fascism and say, okay, what gets us the most bang for the least buck. In other words, 
continuing long-term masking children in school is extremely, you know, costly for them because it affects everyone, everyone who has a child, and they can't go into an election with that. So they're going to ditch that. They're going to ditch that. They're going to ditch the broad-based mask mandate. They'll probably ditch the broad-based vaccine mandate in terms of, you know, movies and and stores and things like that and some of those big cities that start to adopt it. I I would guess they'll head in that direction. But what they're going to do is hold on to the mandates that don't affect broad categories of people at once, but they're devastating to those people. And that's where the Republicans are doing nothing at a state level, at the federal level, to fight the budget bill. As we noted, February 18th is the deadline for the continuing resolution. And now the Democrats in the House are going to pass a three-week extension. And I'm sure Republicans in the Senate will fail to filibuster, but they can do it. And they could harness national attention. When Biden's polling is in the toilet, Democrats are facing the worst election ever. The mandates are unpopular. The momentum against them on an activism level, at a data level, at a science level is growing. You would think now's the time they would stand up and actually uproot the fascism. Pass constitutional amendments in the states. Protect their respective national guards. Okay? Protect people getting get denied, denied kidney transplants. This is still going on. So I don't buy this foxhole conversion. Republicans only know and conservative loser media only knows how to parrot what the Democrats are talking about. So they're like, yeah, maybe we need to get rid of the school mandates. Like, yeah, you shouldn't have school mandates. But the things they're not talking about, well, Republicans won't talk about either. So what are some of those things? You know, last night I got this call I still need to find out more information, but there's an eight-year-old girl in a central uh, Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota hospital that's being denied a kidney transplant for not getting the shot. An eight-year-old girl for a shot that doesn't work, for a shot that's harmful for a virus that doesn't clinically affect them, for a shot that even when it did work never stimulated immunity among those who need kidney transplants. Illogical, immoral, illegal, and inhumane. The four I words, they were true March 2020. They were true every tranche, every layer of this biomedical tyranny since then. But Republicans only came to their senses on a few of those issues now, and the remaining issues they still do not broach. There's another case. Another example of fascism, and I think some of this stuff is going to linger. This is from Jason Rance, uh, uh, KTTH talk radio host in Washington State. George, a 61-year-old retiree, emails me as the love of his life recovers from a stroke. I'm so broken right now. Basically, his 65-year-old wife was admitted to the hospital. Thanks to Providence Regional Medical Center's COVID visitation policy, he's not allowed to see her. He's not allowed to see her. This is happening everywhere. He feels helpless. Now you might say, well, that's Washington State, but you know what? This is happening in red states as well. It's happening in red states as well. So where are the bills immediately being passed to demand visitation rights, to demand um, that someone always be allowed in the room, right to try, right to to turn down treatments, patient bill of rights. Why does it take so long? And even now we're finally getting some ivermectin, you know, prescribe off-label bills. But even then they're like, they're too weak. It's like, could we please be allowed to? No, that would have been okay 18 months ago. Now you need to throw anyone in jail who's violating that. And again, it takes so long. We still haven't had any of these pass. So there's that. The CMS mandate is still in place. I don't see that going away. The airplane masking. Do we even have a lawsuit from a state AG against it? 
I'm not sure if they're going to get rid of that or not. I could I could see either way. You know, they w- might want some constant um, reminder. I could pi- they're not going to do it right away, but I could picture them like making people happy with that at some point. But again, we are not free until we make it a criminal penalty for them ever to implement this ever again. Masking a child, five years in prison. Constitutional amendments to bodily rights, life, liberty, and property um, attested to even in the context of public health. Um, You have the right to refuse any treatment. You can't be discriminated against in public accommodation for it. You can't be forced to cover your face. These are all things that need to be done. Now is the time to step on the gas pedal, but Republicans, everyone's like, the Democrats want an off-ramp. You know who else wants an off-ramp? Republicans do. It's stupid because now's the time when you have so much clout to not just make them retreat, but take back new ground that you didn't even have before. This is why we always fail, because when we finally gain the upper hand, we allow Republicans to move on to the next issue. I want to talk about, really, in my mind, what the most important, probably the most important one of those issues that's unresolved that ties directly into the national funding bill, but it's very much within the power of governors to deal with. Now, first, very appropriate for today, we're sponsored by Z-Stack. Um, I take a Z-Stack every day. Um, this is your mix of zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D, formulated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, one of the uh, pioneers of COVID treatment. Uh, this is not for when you have COVID. I mean, you you take it then. The key is to take it now. Get your levels up now. Have it as prophylaxis. Boost your immune system. It's GMP certified, produced right here in the USA. Go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel. Enter promo code Daniel to get a small discount off your first order. That's zstacklife.com slash Daniel, promo code Daniel. So, you know, look, someone like me, I'm able to earn a living. I'm able to have a job. I'm able to do what I want. I don't have to wear a mask. And I could be happy. But the reality is, there has been so much damage that has already been done to our people that needs to be rectified, that needs to be reconciled. And Republicans just want to walk away from it. And then again, there's so much damage that's continuing to happen. Just one point on the damage that has happened already. Um, You know... It's not okay just, oh, yeah, we're, we're not going to have the mask mandate now. We need an investigation into this, and we need a constitutional amendment. And we need a, stat- a statute saying five years in prison if you mask a child. This is from BBC. Um, there has been a 77% rise in the number of children needing specialist treatment for severe mental health crises. Some 409,347 under-18s were referred to the NHS, that's the British Socialist Medical uh, Service in England for specialist care for issues such as suicidal thoughts and self-harm between April and October 2021. Head teachers also report a huge rise in less severe mental health issues. The government plans 400 mental health teams to support schools by 2023. And that's what they're going to do. They're just going to throw money at it like they always do. Cycle of government. They create the problem. See, this is something you can't quantify. You know, 900,000 people killed by Ralph Barrick's gain-of-function bioweapon and the denial of treatment from COVID. Hundreds of thousands killed from the vaccines and then long-term God knows what. But... When you quantify the emotional and mental health of an entire generation of children from the endless masking and distancing and threatening and fear porn, you, you, you can't put a, put, put a quantity on that. You can't put a price tag on that. This was known. There's almost, I, I almost have no new information for you. The information we had on risk to children of COVID in general and the efficacy and and cost-benefit analysis of masking and school closures was as clear on day one as it is now. And even if they didn't get it on day one, they could have gotten it a few weeks later, a month later, two, three, 
four, five. In other words, it wasn't an irrevocable policy. Every day was a new day that they could have listened to reason. But nothing. Republicans went along with it. They funded it. They undergirded it. They underwrote it with those budget bills, trillion-dollar bills that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy spearheaded through Congress. And those are the big leaders we have waiting on the other side of uh, a big electoral victory. That's what I mean. It's not like Republicans are demonstrating that they feel that bad about it, that they're willing to go out of their way. See, a convert is usually more zealous than anyone else. But Republicans are like, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't be doing this. Okay, let's move on. Well, that doesn't sound like someone who learned their, their, their lesson at all. But the big issue that I'm dealing with today is the National Guard. Imagine being a soldier. See, people think the National Guard's like the guys that come during the hurricane or something. But as you well know, over the past generation with the abuse of our military being used for stupid things, being used for urban renewal projects in in Baghdad and Kabul and refereeing both sides of uh, Sunni-Shia wars and being used as nothing but a social experimentation for for women in combat and the homosexual agenda and anti-Christian dogma. But for an entire generation, the National Guardsmen, they've been, I I forget the percentage of how many of them have been sent, I mean, they've been serving in, in, in war zones. A lot of them died. Good percentage of the casualties were from National Guardsmen. So imagine serving 15, 18 years and being just shy of retirement, all your benefits are gone unless you get a shot that you don't need, a shot that doesn't work, and a shot that we now know has caused insane damage in the military, a shot that is illegal. It is illegal for the military to push something that is not fully approved. It's actually directly spelled out, and a federal judge agreed that Comirnaty is not Pfizer. Just like spike vax is not Moderna. It's illegal, immoral, illogical, and inhumane. But they continue doing it anyway. The National Guard is under the auspices of the governor. Okay, let's, let, let me make something very clear to you. I understand there's the power of the purse and the feds have the leverage and they're threatening that they won't pay them. But we'll get to that. But at least from a legal standpoint, it is quite clear that unless Joe Biden would announce Title 10 and Title 10 the entire National Guard, the National Guard by default is the state militia. And just like the president is the commander in chief of the active duty military, United States Armed Forces, the governor is the commander in chief of his or her respective guard within the state. There is no reason tomorrow why 25 or whatever Republican governors cannot get together, hold a press conference, have some doctors and lawyers speak to all the matters, and show how by their own admission it doesn't work for Omicron. Most of the soldiers already have natural immunity. Talk about the harms. How illogical it is anyway because it doesn't stop transmission. And how you're destroying the lives of people that gave so much for the country. Okay? But the left is smart. They know that very few people serve in the military. And unfortunately, most of them already had their lives destroyed. They're already either kicked out or forced to get the shot. Active duty, it's over 90% already. But in the National Guard, and we're going to discuss here the Texas National Guard in particular, because I have numbers, you have thousands of people that don't have the shots, and by July 1st, they're going to be terminated or lose their pay for not getting the clot shots. Where are these governors? It would be so easy to do that. The optics, you would win an election just off of that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We know they don't care about doing what's right, but just, just for the optics alone, it is such an easy, it's such a low-hanging fruit. Where are they? Where are they? So I want to get into some of those numbers. Now, perhaps Republicans could use some 2020 vision 
and get some Ghost Specs lenses from Better Spectacles. Better Spectacles is now offering authentic German engineer Rodenstock eyewear for the first time uh, imported to the United States. They are the gold standard with over 500 patents. Uh, the Ghost Specs lenses in particular use advanced algorithms from more than a million patients measuring 7,000 points in the eye. The result, more en- energy, no neck strain, and the ability to help you see up to 40% better. Go to betterspectacles.com conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment um, like I did. You don't have to leave the house um, and deal with the Karen in the office making you wear a mask. They're offering my audience an introductory 61% off their Go Specs lenses plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. Just visit betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Now, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas might need better eyeglasses, but he needs to take a look at the numbers on the chart that I have here put out by the Texas Military Department. The Texas Army National Guard, okay, the Army component of it, which is most of it, you know, the small component is the Air National Guard, has 19,406 soldiers. 45% of them have not gotten the shots at all. That's 8,750 soldiers. It's a lot of people. They are facing termination. Okay? So 47% of the Texas Army National Guard is fully vaccinated. 45% is not. And then, you know, 8% is, I think they have one. At the border, among the border, 48% of the soldiers are unvaccinated. That's nearly, it's about 2,800 people serving at the border right now. They will lose their jobs. Greg Abbott issued an order that was just a throwaway and had no teeth in it. Wink and nod, even a private business can't mandate the shots. Yet in his own guard, his own appointees are pushing the shots, threatening, putting out terrible memos every week to the soldiers, to the military doctors, intimidating them into getting the shots. Again, this is not DOD. I mean, they're doing it separately. This is not coming from Washington. These are from the state surgeon's office within, that's like the the top healthcare guy, doctor of the National Guard, working for adjunct adjunct general, right? Every uh, state guard is run by a two-star adjunct. In this case, uh, it's uh, his name is uh, oh her name, sorry, female general. Yes, very very tough. Uh, Tracy Norris, yeah, really really uh, very 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 tough. Um, so Tracy, um, you know, from her office, you have very interesting, sarcastic memos that are being sent out to the soldiers. One of them reads, as a reminder, it is our job to convince soldiers to receive the vaccine. If you personally are not able to fulfill this role, please privately message the state surgeon. If we, So then they go on to medical exemptions. If we do, meaning offer medical exemptions, and you authorize a temporary or permanent medical exemption for the COVID vaccine, ensure that your document, ensure that the appropriate exemption code is entered and anticipate your decision will come under extreme scrutiny, and the word extreme is in all caps, be prepared to justify it. And then then with the later on, they address religious exemptions. Quote, read the regulations. See also AR 620. Ever seen a religious exemption for vaccines? No, it says in all caps. You haven't. The kid was administratively separated during IET. Soldiers will try. Soldiers will fail. How does that crap come out from people who work directly at the pleasure of Greg Abbott? At a minimum, even if you're like, well, I'm scared the Fed's threatened they're going to cut off the pay. But you have a couple months to make the case to the public. You certainly don't have your appointees in the state pushing it and intimidating. This is the double game that these Republican governors are playing. So even... Even Greg Abbott and even governors that try to like pretend to be conservative, even two years into this, even as the Democrats are trying to have an escape hatch, they're still not on board with fighting the worst elements of this. Truly unbelievable. And by the way, a nugget, a very interesting nugget here. Um, 
February 1st letter from the Texas Military Department admits that there's vaccine injury problems. They tacitly admit to it. It's, it's kind of funny. So they say the deadline to become fully vaccinated is June 30th. That means to be compliant, you must start receiving the two-dose vaccine 45 days prior. Okay, so this is coming up very soon. Um, basically, they say to start by June 15th. Then they have this interesting line there. Soldiers are not required to be in duty status to receive the vaccine, but are rather encouraged into receiving an LOD, line of duty, in the case of adverse reactions. In other words, what they're telling them is, even if you're not in duty, right, you know, because they're, you know, a weekend on, you know, every month and, and then two weeks every every once in a while, and then otherwise they're civilians, right? That's how the, how the guard works. They uh, cycle in and out. So they're kind of just walking around in civilian life. They're like, even if you're in that status, you could c- come on, come on base, get it from the military doctor, get the vaccine here. Don't get it at, at your Rite Aid or Walgreens. We encourage you to do that because it will be designated as line of duty in case of adverse reactions. What that means is it would be covered by TRICARE for vaccine injury, whereas if you get it on your own as a civilian, then it might not be covered. What vaccine adverse reactions? I thought there are none. So you're admitting there's adverse reactions. We know it doesn't work, okay? I read you the numbers. About 52% of the soldiers at the border are vaccinated. These are just the ones I have the data for. So, in other words, again, there's there's about 20,000 Texas National Army National Guard. There's about, I want to say, a little less than 6,000 at the border, maybe 5,500 at the border. So 52% are vaccinated. 71% of the cases over the last few months were among the vaccinated. All for a lie. Only pain and no gain. Again, don't tell me, oh, this is not in their power. Oh, they'll cut off funding to the Guard. Oh, they'll cut off funding to Medicare. Really? They're going to be able to get away if all the governors bonded together Bound together, half the states, 25 Republican governors. The Pentagon would be able to get away with, headed into an election, cutting off the pay of the guardsmen from half the states. That's a fight we should embrace. It's the same thing with cutting off Medicare funding to hospitals in half the states, too. This ain't April 2020, okay? But that's my point. Even when Republicans claim to get it, they don't because their actions rhetorically, here's what they do. When you have an issue that matters, a cultural inflection point, an economic inflection point, a policy inflection point that's going to determine really irrevocably the course of the nation, they're downright on the other side. Then when the issue is no longer in contention because the damage is already done – then rhetorically, they kind of, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Or they don't even say we shouldn't have done that. They just say it's time to move on. But then their actions don't match their words. Again, there's so much more that can and should be done. By the way, speaking of the hospital thing, you know what's going on in the hospitals now? This is from Mercury News in California. Strained U.S. hospitals seek foreign nurses amid visa windfall. You, you can't make this up. This attack on Americans, this is actually an AP article, I'm sorry. I'm just reading it from Mercury News. With American hospitals facing a dire shortage of nurses amid a slogging pandemic. It's funny, they don't mention the real reason. Many are looking abroad for healthcare workers, and it could be just in time. There's an unusually high number of green cards available this year for farm professionals, including nurses, who want to move to the United States twice as many as just a few years ago. That's because U.S. consulates shut down during the coronavirus pandemic um, weren't issuing visas, right? So now they have the backlog, the flood of them. They quote an immigration attorney in Nebraska saying she has uh, seen more, uh, more demand for foreign nurses in two years than the rest of her 18-year career. We have doubled the number of visas we've had available for decades. 
So this is what they're doing. They're kicking out Americans. Just, I, I mean, I can't even read this. It's so maddening. The U.S. typically offers 140,000 green cards each year to people moving to the country permanently for certain professional jobs, including nursing. This year, 280,000 of these green cards are available. Americans need not apply. We are the enemy. Everything is upside down. A dangerous therapeutic is a safe one. A safe one's a dangerous one. I don't know if you guys saw DOJ announced uh, they're signaling they might go for the idea that the left has long pushed to have these injection sites, whatever they call them, where you could um, shoot up together like heroin and injection sites. So you can't have ivermectin. You can't have hydroxychloroquine. You can't get a decent doctor. But we'll make sure you get some heroin. Everything is backwards. Our government is immoral. Our government is terroristic. Whatever you feel about China and North Korea and Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda and ISIS, that is your United States government. A criminal is a victim. A victim is a criminal. Man is a woman. Woman is a man. A safe therapeutic is dangerous. The most dangerous experimental unimaginable is safe. Americans are foreigners, and foreigners are Americans. And that leads me to the next part of the show, which is perhaps it really is time to abolish the police. And I actually mean this, seriously. And I'm, I'm mainly referring to urban police departments. I'd say we keep the r- rural sheriffs. My idea would be, and, and one of the things I think we need to push at a grassroots level, one of our action items and long-term strategies is to follow the, the lead of Sheriff Lamb, Mark Lamb from Pinal County, Arizona, and ha- create a deputizing program to train ordinary citizens to be deputi- deputized as sheriff's deputies. So you bring in the people synergistically with the authority under the cover of law, not just to push back against unrest and BLM and crime and everything that's going to spill over from the cities inevitably, but to interpose against federal tyranny. This is what we need to do because we do it on our own. We'll be mowed down. This is what needs to happen. But the city police... Obviously, a lot of you are watching the horrible imagery from Ottawa. They're, he, he, you know, they allowed looting when BLM did it, and now when the protesters are peaceful, the police are the ones doing the looting. They're stealing fuel. They're roughing people up who do nothing wrong, arresting them. You've, you've seen probably a lot of videos online of this. The same police forces that allowed more than 1,500 businesses to be destroyed in Minneapolis, over $500 million in damages, arson, burning, looting. They're now, you know, you know, we're like, and they let it go on and on and on and on, day after day, week after week, month after month in 2020. And they did nothing. Okay? According to a report by the Major Cities Chiefs Association, there were 574 riots that took place in the U.S. and Canada between May 25th and July 31st. U.S. and Canada, 574 riots out of, they said there were, whatever, 8,700 protests. Okay, that's just a little bit more than two months. That's insane. More than 2,000 officers were injured. 72% of major city law enforcement agencies had officers harmed. More than half of major city law enforcement agencies experienced arson incidents. Yet, monuments and statues and murals were erected in those various cities to commemorate those people, to honor the rioters, and even criminalize the removal of those murals, if you remember. In New York City, I think there was a case, anyone caught removing them. Okay? The Ottawa police announced that they're going to arrest anyone for aiding and abetting if they supply them, just give them supplies. So they were allowed, BLM was allowed to take over six square city blocks in Washington State, in Seattle, and several other places for months on end and rape, pillage, murder. I want you to read, I'm going to read to you from the 
major chiefs report on the BLM riots. Looting was also a common occurrence, with 62% of major city law enforcement agencies indicating that at least one incident of looting occurred in their cities. Of note, several agencies reported that in some instances, the looting appeared to be coordinated and organized. So there they organized and were supplied to go and commit criminal activity, and that was never stopped. It went on and on and on. One agency reported 115 commercial burglaries in just one freaking day. Two other agencies reported nearly a million worth of damage as a result of looting in each of their jurisdictions. Another agency reported a single looting event at a shopping mall that resulted in over $70 million in damage. Now look, this is not the fault of the average police officer. But the reality is that the big city police chiefs are now working for corrupt and despotic Western governments. They will not be there for us to protect us and secure ordered liberty. They will be there to serve as the enforcement arm of illegal, immoral, inhumane, and illogical policies of these mayors and governors. None of their training will go towards neutralizing actual violent threats, but towards enforcing these human rights violations. And then again, even when cops arrest the bad guys, it's not their fault, but it's worthless. Why have them? Because they'll only arrest us, and the judicial system will kill us, but the judicial system will never clamp down on them. I give a few examples. Mohammed Hussein Abdi, probably from Somalia, 20-year-old, was arrested in June 2020 for entering a school, a high school in St. Paul, through broken glass. Now, that sounds a little bit like the U.S. Capitol, you know, it was broken glass, people just entered. You know what happened to those people. They didn't break the glass, by the way. They entered through broken glass. They're sitting in solitary confinement. They're being beaten. They're being starved. They're being abused and held without trial for a year and ongoing. Except this guy we're talking about, Abdi, didn't just walk into the building. He set the building on fire, a school. Last week, a federal judge sentenced Abdi to a fine and five years of probation, but not a single day in prison. And, and he was out free from day one. It's not like he was being held pre-trial. It's not like it was time served. Another guy, Tyler Michael Ferguson. He served just 66 days in jail after setting fire to a seafood restaurant. He was ordered to pay to the owner 1000 bucks. Okay, the damage was over 100000 He was ordered to pay just 1000 Brayshawn Gibson was accused of knocking out a Minneapolis cop during a riot last August. With a, with a metal trash can. He'll only serve a year of home confinement, not a day in prison. And charges against Gibson were dismissed for allegedly throwing large rocks at a police car in an earlier riot and stealing from a Home Depot at least 10 times. There's numerous cases like this. All the people that, um, you know, that, that were involved with uh, burning a police station to the ground. You remember the third precinct in... Minneapolis, none of them, I believe, were sentenced to more than two to three years. And you know they'll be out in half that time. So I ask you, why do we need, why do we need the FBI, the DHS, federal law enforcement, if all they'll do is have open borders, they won't fight terror, but they'll fight us? Why do we need local law enforcement, at least in big cities, if they will just serve as a conduit for tyranny. This is a very painful thought, but the reality is that the elected despots, especially in, in, in big cities, in Western governments, are at least as dangerous as the worst regime you could imagine. This is the time we now live in. Are you still for the police at all costs? And this is another example of Republicans being on board the wrong message at the wrong time, like, don't abolish the police. And meanwhile, the main issue was jailbreak and de-incarceration, and that they were on board with. No, like, dude, if you're going to have jailbreak, but then the gulag for us, no, I'm not going to cry over the police because the police then could only be used as a negative. And again, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't uh, speak to most police officers, but there clearly are too many going along with it. And the reality is that the police chiefs in any major city 
They're just like the politicians you see at, in the military and DHS. They're completely bought out by the civilian powers that run them. So why would we enable that? Why? Why would we enable that? And connected to that are two more stories I want to share with you about what law enforcement is going to be used for in the coming days. So DHS puts out a bulletin, you know, a summary of, of terrorism, National Terrorism Advisory System bulletin. And the latest one was issued yesterday. It was issued Monday, February 7th. And they say there's three primary threats to the homeland. Now, as everyone knows, you had an international terrorism incident, which, of course, you don't hear much about now how we let in a terrorist just a few weeks prior from England that had massive red flags all over him, and somehow he was allowed in, and he held uh, people hostage at a synagogue in Colleyville, Texas. So that is mentioned there, but not before it mentions that that's number two. foreign Or number three, really, calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attacks in the United States based on recent events. The first one is you and me. The proliferation of false or misleading narratives which so discord or undermine public trust in the U.S. government institutions. So the problem is not those people that so discord and dehumanize people and deny transplants and shove experimental things in their bodies and criminalize their breathing. It's those of us who support science, humanity, and the law, and the Constitution. Okay? This is their number one threat. Key factors contributing to the current heightened threat environment. This is terrorism. The proliferation of false or misleading narratives which so discorded or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. For example, there is widespread online proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19. Grievances associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attacks during 2021. Um, Where? And then that's before anything else where they talk about terrorism. So the point is, you understand what law enforcement means when you have a despotic country. We, we're always trained to love law enforcement, and we love the people that generally go into law enforcement. But that's when the United States government was the United States government. But now if we're essentially the government of China— well, what do you think law enforcement is? Do you think law, you know, DHS and Homeland Security is going to be used for the border? Oh, it's used for the border, all right, to serve as a conduit into the border by every foreign invading force you could imagine. Do you think it's used against Islamic terror? No. The Muslim Brotherhood gr- umbrella groups actually work with DHS every day. You and me, we are the targets of this law enforcement. And connected to that is another story I want to share with you. It's a developing story. Congressman Troy Niels, okay? He just announced, I'm reading from his Twitter thread, he's a congressman from the 22nd District of Texas, uh, south, kind of southwest of Houston area. The Capitol Police and Intelligence Division investigated my official, my office illegally, and one of my staffers caught them in the act. On November 20th, 2021, this was uh, almost three months ago, Capitol Police entered my office without my knowledge and photographed confidential legislative products protected by the speech and debate clause enshrined in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 6. Two days later on Monday, three intel officers attempted to enter my office while the House was in recess. Upon discovering a member of my staff, special agents dressed like construction workers began to question him as the contents of a photograph taken illegally two days earlier. Capitol Police never informed myself or senior-level staff of their investigation. The reasons are clear. They had no authority to photograph my office, let alone investigate myself or members of my staff. So why is the Capitol Police leadership maliciously investigating me in an attempt to destroy me and my character? Maybe it is because I have been a vocal critic of, of Pelosi, the January 6th committee, and Capitol Police leadership about their handling of January 6th, the death of Ashley Babbitt, and the subsequent sham investigation. So now congressmen are being monitored. 
okay? So this ain't your your father's America. And like I said, every single road leads to state sovereignty. See, we already have institutions and legitimately drawn political subdivisions that have largely autonomous power to govern. And we have our type of people composing the majority, often supermajority in many of those states. Why are we not utilizing it? That is really the only way out of this, out of a centralized authoritarianism, is really what our founders envisioned, and that's when we need this lifeline more than ever. We got to implore our state legislators to do what's right on all these issues. In addition to code fascism, we need to create sanctuaries, constitutional sanctuaries, for First Amendment rights. They are going, if you think, if you look at how quickly we got to the position where we are now with life, liberty, property, denying kidney transplants, forcing, criminalizing your breathing, forcing shots in your body, the notion that, you know, you say one day, you know, I disagree with what Biden's doing, you know, I think this is what we need to do with policy A, that you won't get the FBI knocking on your door. We've already had that with a lot of people. There needs to be a clear understanding with state and local law enforcement that they will serve as a buffer against human rights violations. Basic, basic constitutional rights. There's a bright red line between free, free speech and violence. They're not hard to decipher, okay? They're, they're very different things. There is no way to cross that barrier without purposely doing it which is what I fear our government's doing. So we have a lot of work, a lot of work left to do. I want to share just one more story here today, just going back to, to the shots. First off, you know, I, I'd just be remiss if not, not to mention, a week from today, the advisory committee for the FDA is meeting to basically approve these shots for babies and toddlers. So where are the Republicans on that? How in the world? Meaning, you're, you're blind as a bat if you can't see, even based on the most conservative estimate of adverse reactions and potential long-term damage. It is unspeakable to push this on kids. Never affected them. The shots never made a difference for them. And they don't work now and they're outdated. So it, it's not even like a net liability. It's an absolute liability. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, this is a red state. We're not going to mandate it on them. Well, you're not going to mandate it on them, but you're going to allow the government to go in your state, the federal government, that is, and spend hundreds of, of millions of dollars pimping a product for a company that has already earned $56 billion this year. You're going to have hospitals denying treatment to children that don't get it. What are you going to do about it? And the answer is there's so few of these Republicans that are anywhere in sight. This is why it's so important. The primaries are now. I mean, we talked about Greg Abbott. I don't care who you vote for. There's Chad Prather. There's there's Alan West. There's Don Huffines. Um, there's a runoff anyway. The key is to vote for someone else so Greg Abbott gets below the 50% threshold. That in itself is very important because if come March 1st, if he were to be drawn into a runoff, we'd get really good stuff out of him. If nothing else, just for those whatever two months or so of the primary. But that's key. We're going to need Texas to lead. We're going to absolutely need them to lead. So the, this story I, I just wanted to get to, they were working on, I've been, I've been doing some research on the issue of variances in various lots, various vials. And at this point, I think it's just a question of how much and what are the specifics, but the fact that there is variance is proven already. And that explains why 
So many people walk away from the shot without a problem, even though based on what we understand from the mechanism, everyone should really have problems from it. Now, just because you didn't have problems short-term doesn't mean you're not going to have a problem long-term, but it is clear that people are getting different things, different levels of toxins, different amounts of spike, different you know measurements. But Ethical Skeptic, I know a lot of you follow him on Twitter, a very smart guy. Uh, he's been putting out a lot of good material over the last uh, two years. He took the VAERS data and... Um, basically put together and calculated the adverse event and serious adverse event rate per thousand by state. And you find something very interesting. Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Those five states by far had the lowest severe adverse event rate. That's where all the executives of these companies live, just so you know. New York, Maryland, New Jersey, and Virginia, which was blue until recently, all had very low rates. The highest rates were next to each other. Minnesota, Michigan, North Dakota, Montana. One line there. Illinois, um, I believe. Yeah, those are the ones that are very high. Something's really funny going on there. Okay? Something is very, very funny. So that's one of the issues I hope to get to the bottom of in the coming days. But we live in surreal times. If you have Republicans just reverting back to, I'm pro-gun, I'm for uh, pro-life, but not this type of life, just, you know, with the abortion issue and Planned Parenthood, and I'm for lower taxes... They are wasting our time. We need people to put lead on the target to address the issues that are before us. It is our job to harness this. You know, we always knew we would have a sunrise, as I said. You know, our time will come. We will gain momentum. But even when we do historically, Republicans just use that as an escape hatch and just broadly talk about it to win an election, but never act in a way that matters. We must not let them get away with it. That's about all for today. We will have some more guests coming up later this week, some very special guests as well. Um, Again, send this to every one of your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating with a comment on iTunes. I really appreciate so many of you uh, dropping so many nice comments. I don't need it for my ego. I just need it to get higher ratings so it pushes us past the Teletubbies and you actually get real information. Well, tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you for listening.